This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Praise God. Well, what do I do when my prayers go unanswered? What do I do when my prayers go unanswered? I'm going to share some thoughts with you this evening and from the Word of God, and I believe we will answer that question. Before we do, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the privilege we have of gathering together as your family. And thank you, Lord, that you teach us, you guide us. The Holy Spirit is present. Thank you, Lord, for giving us understanding from your Word. No answer, no question is too difficult for you to answer. We submit to you. We receive from you now. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us in Jesus' name. And all those who agree said, Amen. Now, there are certain prayers that I've prayed in my life. And, um, you know, I'm sometimes embarrassed to admit it. But one time I prayed and I asked, asked God for a, a Ford Sierra, Ford Sapphire 2.3 GLE. And some of you are thinking, what was that? Well, that was before you were born. That was sometime in the 70, late 70s, early 80s or something like that, I think. I don't, I'm not sure. When I, so, and, and you know what? I'm still not driving a Ford Sapphire, and I don't really want to drive a Ford Sapphire at this stage. But there are certain pray, uh, prayers we pray, and I'm sure we've all had those times when we've prayed prayers in our lives that just according to us, from every conceivable angle, we think, God, this is a prayer you've got to answer yes. There is no logical reason why you'd answer no to this prayer. And yet there are times where God has answered no. And we want to know why. What has happened? Now, I'm saying to you, Apostle Theo has done, he's one of the authorities on this planet who teaches on prayer. You want to find out how to pray, a deep understanding of prayer, then study on the Bible college. It's important that we grow in the Word of God and that we'll, we just have a sense of belonging and foundation in the Word of God so we can grow and know what the answer is to questions and live a victorious life. But when the answer seems to be different to what we expected, what do we do? Have you ever felt like that? Where you've done everything you know you should have done and the answer was no or didn't happen? Now, to be honest with you, the title of this message, What Do I Do When My Prayers Go Unanswered, is actually incorrect. Because the truth of the matter is that if you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, and there's no unconfessed sin in your life, you're living a life following Jesus, and you pray according to the Scriptures, there is no such thing as unanswered prayer. God always answers prayer. Always. Say that with me. God always answers prayer. We need to understand that. Here we read in Jeremiah 33 verse 3, the Word of God says, Call to me. That's God speaking. Call to me and I will answer you. He didn't say, call to me and I might answer you. He didn't say, call to me and I, but I can't answer you. I'm on holiday, so sorry, office is closed, please leave a voicemail. No. He didn't say, I'll answer you if I'm in the mood to answer you. God is not swayed like that. He, we can always count on Him. God said, call unto me and I will answer you. Aren't we grateful for that? 
thought I'd have a little bit more support. Praise the Lord. No, I'm just... God is very specific, family. Family, He said, you pray and I'll answer. He's very specific. You pray to me and I will answer you. So let's have a look. What is this all about? So if we're a child of God and I'm walking with God, I'm living for God. The only prayer that God will not answer, the only prayer he will not answer is the prayer I don't pray. How earth-shaking is that? See, in James chapter 4, verse 2, God tells us, you do not have because you do not ask. Wow. Now, there might be many reasons why we don't ask. Maybe we don't think we are worthy. Well, in ourselves, we're not worthy, but Jesus makes us worthy. He gives us the right to ask. We ask in His name. We ask because of His grace and mercy. Amen? But you do not have because you do not ask. So if I go to God and I'm His child living and walking with Him, there is no sin in my life. I know that He will always answer my prayer. Say that. As a child of God, God will always answer my prayer. Now our problem is not that God doesn't answer prayer. Our problem is that God often doesn't answer our prayer in the way we want God to answer our prayer. Can we see that? Because God does not always answer prayer immediately, necessarily, and God doesn't always answer prayer affirmatively, does not mean God doesn't answer prayer. So let's have a look. Let me submit to you several ways that God does answer prayer. Now sometimes God says, Go! Yes, it's a go, and we love that. God, I need a job, please. And before you know it, somebody phones you the next day for interview, and by Wednesday, you're starting a new job, and you think, <laughs> God, you're a champion. You know? Okay, maybe if I accelerate a bit too much, okay, maybe it's a week longer, but you know what I'm saying? You've had those prayers where chuk, chuk, things happen. Whoa! Yeah? We all love that kind of prayer. Now, we all wish that God worked like that all the time. Think about it. What child wants to hear his parents say no? Nobody likes to hear the word no. We all like to hear yes. Right? We sometimes think that if God did not answer my prayer the way I wanted it, and when I wanted it, that God didn't answer my prayer. Now, I want to tell you that's not true. You see, sometimes God says, go, or it's a go, and sometimes God says, whoa. Now we can handle the go? Yes, that's great. And when God says, whoa, we're not too excited, but it's an answer. Right? Sometimes God says, you know, I agree with your request, and I'm going to answer your prayer, but I'm going to say yes but not now. Oh, we don't like that. I'm going to answer your prayer, but I'm going to do it on my timetable. This is God speaking, right? God not only wants to do what's best for us, family. God not only wants to do what's best for you, but also when it's best for you. Right? I mean, 
It's not complicated to understand those words, but they have so much meaning. God wants His best for you when it's the right time for His best for you. For example, I mean, I think Pastor Greg is watching sport. Were you watching cricket there on, earlier on or something? What is it? Cricket on, there's a last match, something. I mean, imagine there's an, a player that is very talented, but you promote him into the, what do you call them? The uh, championship games prematurely. You can ruin his future by destroying his confidence before he's ready for that type of level. Right? So it's not the problem, is it the right thing? Often its problem is the timing. Am I right, Pastor Greg? Yeah. So if you're a parent, one of the greatest battles I, as a parent, will ever face, you have ever faced, is not to give your child too much too quickly. You know, and we've probably all witnessed some children that not because they're bad children, but we've seen some of them ruined, not because their parents didn't give them the right thing, it's because the parents didn't give them the right thing at the right time. Does that make sense? I mean, you know, when my dad, when I was growing up, um, and I was of legal age, and he took me to a shooting range, and um, he didn't just say, here's the 357 Magnum. See what you can shoot wherever you want to. It would have been a it would have been a problem. I wouldn't be standing here today. I might have been somewhere else with a cell ministry. Because if it just go bang, 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 no. He had to teach me how to do it at the right time, pointing me in the right direction, and there was a process involved, right? There was a responsibility that came on me. So we don't have a problem when God says yes, obviously. If we're asking him for something. It's not when God says, it's a go. It's not when God says, whoa, because we can. But it's when God says, no, it's the no that gives us a fit every now and again. Or am I the only one? No, no, I think <laughs> we get a bit of a fit. Hey, God, how can you say no? Now you could be praying a great noble prayer, a precious prayer. And God says, no. And you could be praying the most self-centered prayer. And God says, no. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. God has no favorites, family. When he answers, he is always right. Irrespective of who we are. God says no to some of the greatest men in the Bible. I mean, think about Moses. I don't think there's ever a greater hero than Moses in the Scriptures. Think of what he went through. Floating in a basket, dodging all the crocodiles, gets found by strange ladies, nursed, grows up in a place. I mean, you know, and suddenly he's a Jew, a Hebrew, but he's living as an Egyptian. It's a conflict in him. And by the age of 40, he says, yes, God, probably from 30 onwards, he's wrestling with this whole thing of delivering the people. He takes matters into his own hands. He tries it his way, kills somebody. Oh, no, this is wrong. Buries them in the sand, gets found out, chasing to the desert. And he thinks his life is over for 40 years. And then God calls him, burning bush and all that. We know some of the, the account of the history of that. And yet, God sends him back at the age of 80. Now, many of us here at age of 80, the last thing you want to do is lead a nation of millions of people to the promised land 
and take a detour for 40 years. Come on now. And here Moses is doing this. And he didn't think he could. I mean, you know, the rod turns to a snake, part the Red Sea. I mean, those are wonderful things. But here he's in the desert, and the children of Israel are a little bit grumbling now. When I was there in Egypt, look at this. We at least had water there. We don't have water and water, water. And goes, Moses goes to God and says, these people are thirsty, as if God didn't know. And God says, well, speak to rock. And Moses comes back, and the people are grumbling, and he misrepresents God. He loses his cool with the people, and the people think God is angry with them. And because of that, God says the following to Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter 3. Oh, let me just say this. God says this to him. He says, okay, Moses, because you misrepresented me, you're not going to go into the promised land. What? After everything I've done with all these people. This is just my account, right? What do you mean I'm not going to go into the promised land? That's it. You didn't do what I asked you, and you didn't do it in the, right, in the way that I asked you to do it. So you're not going to go into the promised land. So Moses does a good thing. He leaves it for a while. You know, gentlemen, there are times where, you know, going further with us with my wife is just going to end in a catastrophe. So it's best just to leave it for a while. Do you know what I'm saying? God, Moses just leaves. You know, Pastor Johnny, you got no idea. I'm all on my own here, guys. Thanks very much for your support. Can some of you at least lie? No, no, I'm still... <laughs> So now Moses leaves it for a while, and then he plucks up courage in Deuteronomy chapter 3, and he says this. At that time, when they're about to enter the promised land, he says, I pleaded with the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, I am your servant. You have only begun to show me your greatness and power. Is there any God in heaven or on earth who can perform such great deeds as yours? Now, I believe that Moses is speaking from a heart of worship, but he's kind of buttering God up a little bit here. You know, son, you're so awesome, God, so powerful. There's no one like you, God. Um, and then he says in verse 25, So please, let me cross the Jordan to see the wonderful land on the other side, the beautiful hill country and the Lebanon mountains. Now notice Moses didn't ask a lot. He didn't ask, can he go there and buy a house? He didn't ask to go and set up a farm. He didn't go and ask to stay there for any length, a specific period of time. He said, can I just go across? And what does God answer? What does God answer? Let's have a look in verse 26. God says, that's enough. He ordered, speak of it no more. You can go to Pisgah Peak and view the land in every direction, but you may not cross the Jordan River. Here's one of the greatest leaders ever, and God said no to him. Now that's a no. Now, to be honest with you, if God said no to Moses, even said no to the Apostle Paul, there's a pretty good chance that he will say no to you and me sometimes. Right? Now, we must ask ourselves two questions. Why does God say no? Is that a good question? I think it's a good question. Why does God absolutely turn me down sometimes? And what do I learn when he does? Here's what I want you to take away from this message this evening. I'm going to build everything I say around the following statement. Listen carefully. 
When God says no, it is always for my best. When God says no, it is always for your best. Not sometimes, not most of the time. When God says no, it is always for our best, family. So why does God say no? Let me submit three reasons to you. First of all, God has a perspective that is clearer than ours. God has something that I don't have. God has something that you don't have. God has something that money cannot buy. God has something that the president doesn't have, that the dictator doesn't have. God has something that the wealthiest person on the planet doesn't have. God has something the mathematician doesn't have, the philosopher, or even the greatest theologian doesn't have. God has something that no human being can have while they are here on earth. And you know what that is? God's got the big picture. We don't have the big picture. If I asked you, is there anybody here who knows what's going to happen exactly in 10 seconds from now? We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in the next 10 seconds. We don't know what's happening in the next 10 minutes, next 10 years, or whatever the case might be. No human being does. But God does. I said, God knows. God knows what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes. He knows what's going to happen in 2019. He knows what's going to happen for you, to you till 2029 and beyond. He knows your future. As a matter of fact, as a child of God, your future is His history. He's already been there and prepared the way for you. See, we've, it's like we've got tunnel vision. And God's got the panoramic 360 degree view. Have you ever as a child, or even at whatever age, it doesn't matter, looked through a little pipe? I've had pipes, you know, like sort of 10 millimeters diameter, and I look through it and you think, yo, everything looks so small. You know, like, well, if I look like this now, all I can see is just that group of people up there. But you know what? There's hundreds of other people in the room, but you, to me, you're not here. You don't exist. I can't see you. You think this guy's cuckoo, right? No. Why? Because my perspective is different to yours. God sees everything, 360 degrees all around. He knows exactly what's going to happen next. And very often we approach, God, I don't understand. But we're looking through this little tube at a little hole at the end there. And we think that's life. God's got the big picture. That's why in Hebrews 4 verse 13 we read, Nothing in all creation can hide from Him. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. God sees everything, family. So often we come to God and we ask God for something in prayer. But here's what we don't think about. We never look ahead and see what would be the consequences of God answering my prayer. We don't know what the consequences would be. All prayer, in a sense, has a ripple effect. You know, like you throw a stone in the water, there's ripples. Your prayer has a ripple effect in the spirit in the future. It causes things to happen. And the reason we have a tough time with God saying no is because we don't know what God knows and we don't see what God sees. Now we must understand, family, that every time God says yes to a prayer, that yes has an effect on somebody else. Think about it. Every prayer, we're not isolated. No man is an island. When you pray a prayer, it affects those around you. It can affect immediately your family. It can affect 
those you're married to, your children. It can affect the people you work with. Every prayer has an effect on multiple people. You never pray a prayer that in some way and somewhere doesn't have an effect on somebody else presently or in the future. See, when I pray, I don't know how that prayer is going to affect my wife, my children, this church, or how that prayer could affect my own walk with God, my own attitude. I don't know those things, but God does. I believe I'm believing for the right thing, but just because it's the right thing to me doesn't mean it's the right thing at the right time. And me having the, what I believe is the right thing for me will affect other people's lives in a way that I could never imagine. It's like a nuclear bomb. It goes off and it has an effect all around. Have a look here. The Apostle Paul. In the book of Acts, you can read about him. He's praying and he says, God, I want to go to Spain and preach the gospel. Paul has an evangelistic heart. He says there are unsaved people. There's hundreds of thousands, millions of people living in that part of Europe. They've never heard the gospel. They've never heard about you. I want to go there, God. Send me. Can I go? Now, it sounds like a good prayer, a noble prayer, a godly prayer, a prayer that God should answer yes to. Am I correct? And you know what? God said no. He said, no, I don't want you to go to Spain. As a matter of fact, you're going to go to Rome. Okay, I'll go to Rome and preach the gospel. No, but you went to Rome and you ended up in chains. And when he got to Rome, they threw him in prison. How's that for a nice place? wasn't the Radisson Hotel. It was Caesar's Dungeon. But the amazing thing is, when he was there, he wrote over half the New Testament and the revelation from the Spirit of God. Can you see, God answered no to Spain, but yes to Rome, so that you and I today could read the Scriptures and have an understanding of the revealed Christ. Wow. In essence, God saying no to Paul is still having an effect on people's lives today. Whenever I go to God and say, God, will you give me this? Would you do this for me? Would you do this for me, that for me? God always takes two things into consideration. One, what is for our good, what is for my good, and what is for His glory. So when we pray a prayer, God will take two things into account. One, is it good for you? And number two, is it for His glory? Because if it's for His glory, it's certainly not going to be self-centered or selfish in any way. And if it's good for you, it's because God then says, yeah, I want you to have it at the right time. Now, one out of two won't do. It's got to fit both, right? Two of those criteria. And God says, Radic, I know that you think that that will be the best for you. But I know what's coming in your future. And your request won't be the best for you. So I won't do it. And we have to be mature enough to understand that our Father has our best interest at heart because He tells us so in the Scriptures. 
And that doesn't mean that I give up. It means that I continue just trusting God and say, Father, you know exactly what is happening in my future. I'm connected with you. I'm serving in the church. I'm growing. I'm maturing. And God, I'm busy with your work right now doing good for you, giving you honor and glory. And we let God take care of the promotion, the development, and the growth in our lives. But we have to exercise faith. Amen? Come on, someone. Amen? So even if God's Excuse me. So even if it's good for us, and we might enjoy it for a while, but it won't bring God glory, then I want to say that God won't do it. He will not share His glory with any man. No matter how sweet the prayer might sound, or how fervently you may pray, there are going to be times God's going to say no, because God has a perspective that is clearer than ours. Secondly, God has a plan that is better than ours. Praise God for His plan. You might not know this, but God has a plan for all of us. If you don't know what God's plan, gifting, and what He's called you to, then get on growth track in the new year and discover what God has put inside of you. But you have a purpose. Now, there are times in our lives when things don't go according to our plan. Nothing ever happens in your life that takes God by surprise, family. God said in Isaiah 55, He says, Verse 8, my thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. So God's plan for you, His plan for your life, is not the same as our plan for our lives. We've got to trust Him because it will turn out good. Amen? So God has a plan. His perspective is different to ours, and He has a plan for our lives. Thirdly, God has a purpose that is higher than ours. Say that. God has a purpose that is higher than mine. Now, I've heard it said that everything in our lives has a purpose. And, um, you know, I don't know. I think everything in our lives should have His purpose. Amen? Yeah, as far as we, His children, are concerned, God has His foot on the throttle and His hands on the steering wheel. I mean, God is accelerating your vehicle, your life, and He's steering your life. Amen? Surely we have that desire because we want the will of God in our lives. But here's our problem. We focus on what will make us comfortable. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't say that. I focus on things that make me comfortable. And God focuses on what will make us conform to His will and to His character, the character of Christ. You becoming more like Christ is so much more important to God than our comforts. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't say, go through tonight without saying that. But it is the truth. Do you know what God's number one concern for every one of us is? It's our personal relationship with Him. Being connected to Him, that is number one priority. In Exodus 34 verse 14, the Bible tells us, You must worship no other gods. For the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is passionate about His relationship with you. Say that God is passionate about His relationship with me. God's number one desire is for you to please Him, and to please Him is to believe Him and to trust in Him. Believe that He has your best interest at heart. Amen? You know... The reason God can say yes to you and me today 
in many of the prayers that we pray is because God said no to Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was praying. In Mark 14, verse 36, he said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will and not mine. Here Jesus was saying, Father, if there's another way, let's go that way. Never once had Jesus ever had his prayer turned down. And yet the Father said, Son, there is no other way. No, you have to go through the cross. And Jesus submitted to that. And I'm so grateful that Jesus submitted. I'm so glad that the Father said no to Jesus so that he can say yes to you and I. Because when I ask him, God, please save me, help me, he can say yes because of what Jesus has done. It does not matter what kind of sinner you are. It does not matter if you're a liar. It doesn't matter if you're a murderer. It does not matter if you live in some kind of vice, if you're a drug addict. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up your life, to what extent. Because God the Father said no to Jesus, and Jesus said yes to the Father, went through the cross, you and I today can stand before God, and He will answer our prayer and say, yes, you can receive the gift of eternal life. And that is the most important answer we ever desire in this life, is for God to say yes I want you in my family. Surely that is what we should desire above all things, family. Amen? So why does God say no sometimes? Because He has a perspective that we don't have. He has, knows things that we don't know. He knows how it will affect life now and in the future. And thirdly, the reason He sometimes says no is because it might be a different time. He just expects us to trust Him every single day. God says today is, is enough care for itself. Just trust God for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Sure, we make plans. We trust God. We ask Him for wisdom, guidance, and direction for tomorrow. But when you wake up tomorrow, it's still called today. So we only live in today. See how much you learn in church, right? And that means that we live in the present with God. God wants us just to be loving on Him, connected with Him today, serve Him, love people, and let's just trust Him for our tomorrows. And when we pray, let us pray in the name of Jesus, knowing that when we stand on the Word, God will answer our prayer. And let's just trust Him for the right timing so that things take place according to God's plan and schedule in our lives. Amen. I trust you learned something this morning that encouraged you. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.